Ah, good morning. It was a, it was an emotional first service, and we just flew back from Denver yesterday at like 1:30 a.m. So there's a lot of emotions and tiredness going on, but um, I'm so thankful to be standing here uh, to share God's word with you one more time. Until the next time, hopefully not too long. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I want to say good morning to those who are new. Hello, my name is Joseph, and uh, Pastor Dave did introduce. Uh, I stepped down at the end of December last year um, to prepare to go to Argentina, and uh, that time went by really quickly. But uh, now it's right around the corner. We're leaving this Wednesday at four o'clock, and uh, our family is so excited. Uh, everyone's like, is everything ready? No. <laughs> but here we go. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you, uh, P. Dave, the leadership, uh, our friends, uh, the people that we got to serve alongside with, and uh, most of all, thanks to God, uh, who's so faithful. So, um, you know, let's jump into today's uh, scripture. Uh, it comes from Hebrews 12. If you'll flip there with me, and for those who don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be right behind. <sighs> Hear now the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate. <laughs> I can't say this word, guys. In the first service, too. Uh, not legitimate <laughs> children and not sons. <laughs> Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we have respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it has seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the word of God. Um, some people in here may be asking the question, why Argentina? And for those who've known me and who we've been in talking, uh, you all know, but I kind of wanted to give a short context, uh, a brief summary. I was born in Korea. Uh, my parents and I, we moved here to New Jersey when I was four years old. And my father at the time, he was a pastor, and he planted a, a, a small immigrant Korean church in Fort Lee, and we had about 40 members. Um, 
But um, I, I remember those early days. I remember how difficult it was for our family financially. It was really difficult. And I remember this even more so because I was the only one. I'm an only child. I was the only one that spoke English in my family. And we had debt collectors call every other day. And I had to speak to, for them. Please, can you turn back on our electricity? We will pay $20 to $40 next week. And I hated those phone calls. It was so embarrassing. It was so inconvenient. And I remember every time I had to translate and speak on their behalf to these debt collectors, I remember thinking, I can't understand why my father would choose this life. He's a very capable man. He's smart. He's faithful. And I would see all the hours that he would spend studying. He would spend praying. Uh, he would go to early morning prayer five days a week. He would do visitations. He would go counseling. He would preach on Sundays. All for what? Not to have enough to pay the bills at the end of the day. And I remember thinking, man, I will never become a pastor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I watched my father struggle through that for 12 years, but I also saw him be really faithful in his ministry. And it was actually when I was 16 years old, he challenged me and he said, hey, we only have four other kids in our church. Um, we can't afford to hire a part-time pastor. Why don't you just do some Bible study with them? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And, and it was through this experience, I really started falling in love with God's Word, studying it, teaching it. And when I was 16, just mind you, I'm 16, this is how our Sunday Bible study would go. Hey, good morning, guys. Come here. And I would wrestle them. And I would practice these wrestling moves. And it was just child abuse. And then I was like, okay, let's talk, let's talk about the love of God. And after the Bible study, I would wrestle them again. And that's how it started. That, that's where I'm coming from, guys. And uh, man, God, God is good. Um, our youth group, uh, it slowly grew, you know, 10, 20, uh, close to 30. And, and this was when I was about 20 years old. I was a student at Rutgers. I received a phone call from a local church in this area. And they said, hey, Yosef, we would love for you to come to our church and be the assistant pastor to our junior high ministry. And my phone picked up my voice. Okay, so um, junior high pastor assistant, I was like, I'm just a college student. All I do is wrestle with my kids and teach them a little bit of Bible. I'm not qualified. But they said, no, we really want you to come. Will you come and try it out? And I went. And uh, it was really incredible. One year went by, and then that junior high pastor left, and they said, hey, we want you to become the junior high pastor. And then another year went by, and then I graduated, and then I was in seminary. And I remember I went to my first class, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be a pastor. And uh, that's how God got me. And... Uh, uh, all this time, I thought I was wrestling and abusing kids, but God, God got me. And, um, and I remember it was in my time there at that church, I started thinking about the future because I'm a dreamer. And the way that I was thinking is, well, I really hope I can do youth ministry for a really long time because I really love kids. I, 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 I feel their energy. I, uh, I feel like it's, it's where I connect with. And what if I get too old? Maybe I'll do college or young adults and then maybe become an associate pastor and then eventually be a head pastor. And I was like, 
I don't know, something about that, it just, it just didn't, uh, it didn't hit me. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, two weeks ago, uh, Patrick Brady, the, 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 the fruit tree farmer from our organization, Ideas, he came and he said, pray that dangerous prayer. And I prayed it when I was young. I, I wasn't praying it because I was being faithful and I was being so holy. I, I think I prayed this prayer because I just didn't want to be a head pastor. <laughs> uh, so I asked God, I was like, God, you called me to this ministry. Here I am. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? And I prayed that prayer. And it was really crazy because um, later that night, I, I had my first God dream. And I know it was a God dream because all my other dreams look like this. I walk into Costco. <laughs> I look around. And then I wake up. I don't even get to buy anything in my dream. I, I didn't even buy anything in Costco in my dream. I just walked in and I wake up. But here in this dream, it was different. There was a heaviness. And in this dream, I saw this incredible land. I saw this flowing water. I saw these mountains. And I was like, wow. And there were so many people there. And I was like, wow, that looks like a school of kids learning. Wow, that looks like a retreat center where people are coming together to worship. And wow, that looks like a mission center where people from all over the world are coming to do the work of God. And when I saw that dream, I woke up and I was like, yes, Lord, I'm so glad you know me because you should, you made me, but that's what I want to do. I'm in. And I got really excited. And after I said, yes, I'm in, 16 years went by where it felt like God was silent and he forgot about me. 16 years. And that 16 years was three years ago when I met someone who had the same dream as me. And this person was like, hey, I think we have the same dream. You should come check it out. It's in Argentina. I was like, Argentina? I was thinking like Poconos, Pennsylvania area, but I'll check it out. So November of 2019, I went. And when I got there, my mouth just dropped wide open because I was like, this, this was the place that I had the dream 16 years ago, except it wasn't finished, right? We just have kind of the retreat center and, you know, there's still a lot to do. And I was like, wow. So here we are now. We're so right around the corner. We're ready to leave. And going to Argentina is going to be one of the biggest moves and changes that our family is going to go through. And it's a major milestone. And, um, but for this sermon, I wanted to pump the bricks because it's not about always the milestone. I wanted to focus on the 16 years where God was silent. Oftentimes, we remember the major moments, right? And I listed some for me. And for me, the things that I remember in my life is the first time I went to middle school and I had my own locker. I was like, yes. Put pictures of myself on the locker. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I remember my first middle school dance. It was casual, but I was the only kid that wore a suit. So I remember that. Uh, I remember the first time driving, getting my license, getting my first car. And after I got my first car, I remember my first speeding ticket, my first careless driving ticket, my first reckless driving ticket, my first red light ticket. <laughs> it was a lot of tickets. And the Fort Lee Community Center that you see, I built that. It's all my money. Um, I remember my graduation. I remember going to college. I remember becoming a pastor, going to seminary. I remember my ordination. And um, I remember getting married, becoming a father. And now we're going to move to Argentina. And these are 
big things. These are big moments. Um, but so much has happened in between these moments. And it wouldn't do justice to just highlight these big events. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a cemetery and you see these like tombstones or what is it called, like a headstone. And, um, and you see, here lies such and such, right? Here lies Yosef, born November 21, 1982. And then there's a dash and there's a month and a year. I'm not going to guess when I'm going to die, but there's like a month and a year after, right? That comes after the dash. But um, that dash represents a story. That dash represents a lot of history, uh, life there, right? Because the beginning and the end is God. We came because God gave us life, and he calls us up. But in between, I wanted to focus in the sermon that he is there in that dash as well. Um, if you guys ever heard about the four spiritual laws, it's like a very simplified version of the gospel. Uh, a lot of um, churches go and use it when they are doing like out, outreach in like very busy areas where you're just meeting with strangers, right? And I don't, I don't know if I love this strategy, but it's good, right? The first law is God loves you. He has a beautiful, wonderful plan for you. But number two, there's sin and, and we got separated God from God and we cannot know the plan. But three, don't worry. Jesus is our provision, and uh, we can be forgiven and have a good relationship with God again. And number four, if we receive Jesus and we put our faith in him, we have the gift of salvation, and we can know God's good plans again. And I think those points are true. But each person we're speaking to, there's a complexity there. There's a story there. There's, there's a long history in there. And even in the gospel, it does so little justice to say, yeah, Jesus came as man. He died on the cross. He resurrected for you. There was so much more to the gospel. But that is important, right? That is important that he came, that he died, that he resurrected. But there was constant struggle in our lives throughout all history. There was struggle throughout Jesus' life, though he didn't bend. There was always obstacles and opposition there. And my question is, why did Jesus live 30-somewhat years before he did the very important thing that he needed to do, dying for our sins and resurrecting. Because I believe he was showing us what it means to be faithful, obedient, the way that it's meant to be. Um, and I think the way that we can see the Bible overarching way is there is struggle, but in Christ, there is great victory. Um, and I think I found myself more in awe of uh, being able to leave for Argentina with my family uh, because of the things that happened leading up to it in the 16 years. Um, and what I thought, you know, that God was silent in those 16 years, um, I was so wrong. And I never want to take it for granted again. So I wanted to share with you, in those 16 years, in God's silence, I call it God's silence, uh, He was making me face my past and my fears. Right? Um, you know, after God showed me the dream, after I prayed, God, how do I serve you? How do I love you? How do I follow you? He had me face my fears. Um, remember, I didn't want to become a pastor. Do you know why? I was afraid of hard work, right? I just wanted to play. Um, and I was fear of not having enough money. I always thought ministry was such a broke occupation. I was like, that's, that's a lot of work for very little, right? Just very outwardly. That was my perception. Um, but even deeper than the insecurities of finances and hard work, there was so much brokenness 
that came from my childhood. And I shared in one of my sermons, when I was in first grade, I was molested by one of my neighbors. And there was deep brokenness that laid in there. And guess what? That deep brokenness manifested later on into my relationships. I had so many unhealthy relationships. I had so many girlfriends. And I didn't say that like proud. I had so many girlfriends. I had so many girlfriends. And, um, you know, it, 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 felt, it felt so hard to see the things that were happening. And um, uh, I can't believe God called me to be a pastor at the age of 20 because I wasn't worthy. I wasn't qualified. I wasn't, I wasn't even close to good to be up there preaching God's word. But every week I had to prepare a sermon. And every week preparing that sermon, I struggled through it, but he was, he was ministering to me. He was, he was pulling out those roots. He was pulling out all the dirty, the, the, the terrible things that I held on to, and he was working on my heart. Um, and not only did he do that, he surrounded me with really incredible people. I struggled with my relationships. I really struggled with my brokenness from my past. I also struggled with school, seminary. I took 10 years to graduate seminary. Uh, that's not normal, people, for who don't know seminary. It's three years. So I could have three and a third degree. Uh, that's like third degree t- uh, Christian belt. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I barely finished in time at the 10-year mark because after 10 years, your credits go away. Right? Uh, and while I was studying for those 10 years, I struggled financially every single step of the way. And I worked multiple part-time jobs. And my grades were dipping because I was so tired and I was so busy. Um, I didn't have, my last girlfriend is the one I married. Uh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a healthy relationship with her. Um, and she ran away from her family to pursue a relationship with me. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I don't blame her, but it's crazy, right? Um, <laughs> um, and the way that we entered into marriage was more out of, for me, obligation. Wow, she did all of this. I should marry her. And that really broke her heart. That really broke her It's really funny. Actually, one of my really close friends and my mentor, uh, I consider him a mentor. He's here right now. Um, he's sitting right there. <laughs> I think I, we, we went to him for like premarital counseling and he was like, you guys should not get married. <laughs> uh, uh, thankfully, I didn't listen. Uh, but I understand why he said that. It was, it was, it was, it was rough. It was really rough for Janie. Um, and yeah. Um, I was just seeing that through all of this, my broken past was impacting everything I was doing now. You know, my walk with God, my ministry, my work, my school, my relationships. And I really felt like I wasn't worthy. Um, but this is the part I thought was really a blessing. In God's silence, I realized he was making me faithful. He was making me faithful in his silence. Um, I feel like this part was just as hard as the first part when he's making me face all of my brokenness and my fears. But he let me drive because I insisted. I was like, God, I know what I'm doing. Get behind me. I'll drive. So then he let me crash. Then he stripped me down of everything that I wanted to be in control of. 
And it was the most difficult moments of my life. Um, my parents, uh, my mom is actually here, um, they, they did ministry for a long time and then they went to missions overseas. They struggled their whole life. And they struggled their whole life. So uh, when I got married, that's right when they were kind of like folding the missions, they were kind of retiring. And when we came back from our honeymoon, my parents were moved into our one bedroom apartment because there was nowhere for them to go. And my wife had to live with both my parents in a one bedroom apartment for the past 10 years, okay? Talk about God loving on Janie and training her uh, through all the things that she went through. Uh, and, and to be honest, God made her also face her brokenness and her fears, uh, and, but she was, he was also making her faithful. And I also want to note, it was not easy for my parents as well. They didn't want to inconvenience us, but they felt stuck. We all felt stuck. And, and, and this is, and, and, and I can't explain to you guys how difficult that was for all of us. And for me, I was so convinced, God, I'm not asking for something crazy. $1,500 a month is all I need more. And I can get my parents their own separate place and we can regain our sanity, right? $1,500, I'm not asking for more. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna admit to something. Two times I tried and I bought lottery tickets. <laughs> One was a mega million, I think, and it was like a lot. And I was like, God, this is not for me, it's for my parents. <laughs> Did not win. The second lottery was, there was a thing called win for life. I was like, this is awesome too. <laughs> right? Right? Even if you mess up, you keep getting it each month or each week. I don't know how the plan goes, but I, I did that. Lost five bucks. <laughs> and it was hard for my parents. It was hard for me. It was hard for Janie. And God had us sit in that struggle for a really long time. Do you know how long? All the way to the point where I tapped out and I wanted to quit. When Hebrew says, have you shed blood for your sins? I felt like I was almost there. I was at my wit's end. And I remember um, I felt like such a failure to my parents because I couldn't take care of them. I felt like such a failure as a husband and father. I told Janie, I was like, oh, you're, you're still beautiful. I'm, 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 I'm this but you're still beautiful, you're still young, go marry someone who can treat you better, who will love you the way that you deserve. And I looked at Calvin, and he was three at the time, and I said, Daddy's done. I'm sorry. And that's when, after 16 years, God broke his silence, and uh, he spoke to me. Uh, and all he said was three words. Here's $15,000. No, no, I didn't, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> you need it? Here you go. No. <clears throat> All he said was, I love you. I needed to hear those words because I had to hit rock bottom and I had to hold on to him. And he was building up my faith. He's like, now you understand. Now you come to me. Church, I think this is such an important point and I want to leave it with you because God loves you so much 
but our brokenness and our sinful nature, our sins, it makes it very complicated in our relationship with God. Um, you know, I've been referring to God's silence, uh, but that was just the, the, the silent that, you know, God was doing. It was just a perception. He wasn't silent. Audibly, yes, he was silent until I heard his voice say, I love you. But he was constantly working in that 16 years. He was working in me. He was working on me. He was working through me. He was working around those people around me. He was working through the circumstances and my hardships. And I really believe this is what the Bible means by God refining us. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. But he does all of this because he loves. Hebrews 12 says this. He disciplines us because we become legitimate sons and daughters because he loves us too much to let us be the same. He loves us too much for us to be apart from him because of our brokenness. He disciplines us because he loves. I think we often mistake that what God wants back is you know, offering of money or our time or service, works, religious activity, coming to church on Sunday. But what God really wants from all of us is faithfulness. He just wants us to be faithful. You know, do you ever wonder why Jesus died on the cross and he came back three days later? I don't know the full answer, but I think one part of that is because he uses time to allow us to grow in our faith. What did Jesus say? I will be back in three days, but I want you to be praying. And what did the apostles do? They went up to their upper rooms, they prayed. And guess how they prayed? I assume some of their prayers were in doubt. What are we going to do now? Some of their prayers were in fear. Oh, the Romans are going to come after us. The Pharisees are going to come after us. They, they prayed with anxiety, but because he waited and he used time, there was an opportunity for faith to grow. We wouldn't need faith if God would always answer our questions and he was never silent. But he uses time and difficulty and challenges because he wants us to be faithful. And um, I I, want to close with this. I think what the most beautiful part is, it's not like, hey, we're going to Argentina now. Because I'm realizing now, um, Argentina, like, I always felt like I have to pray and then God will say yes or no and he'll respond to my prayer. No, no, no. Church, prayer is such an amazing, powerful gift. I learned that God had planned for Argentina even before I was born. I just didn't know about it. And I found out about it because I prayed that prayer, God, what do you want me to do? And he gave me a dream. But for me to get there, he didn't want me to get there um, immature, broken. He wanted me to get there faithful. Providing Argentina and the land and the people and the community I have, that was easy for God. But what was difficult and messy and and, and rough was my heart. And it took 16 years for him to address that. So church, I don't want us to always celebrate the big event and the milestone. Yay! But the faithfulness of God throughout the time when he's leading us to that, that, that is amazing. That is amazing. Man, if, I, if God let me do it my way, I would have saved up money. I don't know how long it would have taken me to buy land and start this from scratch. But he says, I already prepared a banquet for you. I just needed you to look at me and follow me. 
God's faithfulness in every step of the way, it humbles me and blows me away. And that's what makes me excited for my next season in, in Argentina with my wife and my family. Our story doesn't end there. Hey, we get to Argentina, kick back and drink asado, I don't know, <laughs> puree it and, and, and just relax. No, there's still so much work to be done. There's still so much to grow. And, and, and I say this, um, I'm not complete there's still more faithfulness that has to be pulled out and stretched in me. Uh, there's still some brokenness I still have to work out with God. But um, through God's silent work this whole time in the 16 years, um, I believe that I lack nothing in Jesus Christ. Though I'm not complete, I lack nothing in Jesus Christ. So, I'm excited to go to Argentina. And He deserves all glory. And now I know it's, been, it's plans that he said a long time ago, but I just have to be obedient and follow. And I'm going to stop trying to take over the wheel and say, okay, God, do it my way. Because I testify his way is so much greater and more amazing. And church, his plans for you is great and amazing. And if you're going through a hard time, lean on him and he's refining you because he loves you, because you are legitimate sons and daughters of God. Church, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much um, that you are so patient and loving um, that you would walk with us. And though it feels like you're far and silent and distant or that you've forgotten us, you are always working. You are always, always, always working. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You're working on our hearts. The things that are eternal, you mend and form. And Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that we can go to Argentina. But Lord, at the end of the day, it's not Argentina that makes me excited. But it's knowing that we are walking in your footsteps and that you have plans going forward to continue to grow us and, and using us to encourage and bring the gospel and, and, and share that with the people near and far. Father, I thank you for this church. Um, I thank you that all along you have constantly surrounded us with amazing leaders and friends, mentors. But Lord, uh, I pray for our church people here that they will not groan at the sight of your silence, but they would search and see your faithfulness in motion and that they will see that the milestone is beautiful because it was you who prepared them and brought them there. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in my sermon, I didn't get to uh, really share with you what we're going to do in Argentina, but I wanted to focus on God's silence. But after service, um, we're going to spend some time. I'm going to share with whoever's interested. Uh, and it's not going to be so formal, and I want there to be Q&A, and I just want to mingle with you guys and spend as much time with you guys before we leave. But after worship, we will have that time. So I look forward to it. And I just want to say, Mosaic, thank you so much. Our family, we love you all so much. And uh, I'm so excited to now uh, partner with you all in all the things that God has in store for us. Thank you. <clears throat>